what we do here is go back, 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 back. It's all like, what do you think the Raiders are going to do with Carr? It's like, what do you think Carr's going to do with the Raiders? Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me as always is Andy McDonald. And joining us today, special guest. It's actually unfortunate that we haven't had you on yet. Host of Mission Driven Made Podcast, Jake Straub. Jake, how are you doing? What is going on, everyone? I've been wanting to be on your podcast for a long time. But to be honest, I was like, I can't level up to the McDonald crew when it comes to to Raiders talk. But I've been wanting to for a long time, so happy to be here. That's all. That's a bunch of malarkey. Um, <laughs> Jake's our our brother. Technically, he's our brother. So it's my my wife's uh, brother, and so our my brother in law, which means it's Micah's brother in law. So yeah, we're excited to have you on, man. We kind of talked about it beforehand, but this is kind of just like it's group therapy. You know, it's everyone's oh. here together to just discuss the unfortunate events on Saturday, and we're all here for each other. Um, I want to make that known. So <laughs> I was but. so emotional after the game. I, I wanted to like call and talk to both of you, but I didn't have it in me to, to talk about it right away. So, but yes, group therapy, I'm in. Good. Well, we're happy to have you. So, so yeah, we will, we're going to just going to touch on the game. Obviously um, the events that happened on Saturday, we'll give our thoughts and then we're just going to move on. Okay. We're just going to, <laughs> we want to grow. Okay. And the first step is, the first step, which is forward people's that's a term you probably guys guys probably don't know that, but it's a term. The first step is the first step. So, um, and we're going to do that. We're going to touch on some Raider news, um, some important stuff for the Raiders future as it relates to the, I mean, really the whole organization. So there's a lot to, lot to uncover there, but let's just share our feelings. Let's share our thoughts, guys. The Raiders did not win. They were not victorious in case anyone didn't know. So they lost 26 to 19, a lot of things to unpack here. Micah, do you want to start? Um, and then maybe you can kick it over to Jake. We'll have you lead off today. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. I'm more than welcome to get mine out of the way. Yeah, I you know echo the sentiments that you guys have both portrayed so far. Uh, it was very frustrating. Uh, it was very terrible because it was kind of a combination of the Raiders getting in their own way and the ref screwing us over. Look at it how you want on, on the way that affected the game. But all in all, it was it was frustrating because we were in it. We were in it the whole time. And, and granted, I'm glad that we weren't in a Patriots situation where we went and just got blown out by the Bengals. But just to be that close, that close to uh, scoring a touchdown, tying it up, was a little rough. It was a little rough that we got we got as far down as we did. We made the comeback that we did. I mean, I think it was twenty to three at one point, and I think that was after they scored that controversial touchdown where. Whistle was blown ahead of time. Should have been called dead because the whistle was blown. They ended up scoring a touchdown as a result of that play. Not going to try to jump into it too much, but it sucks because that did kind of change a lot of the momentum at that time. You know, it was the defense was doing well in regards to making them trade touchdowns for field. Wait, making them trade field goals for touchdowns. Got to get that saying right. Andy rocks it all the time. So making them trade touchdowns for field goals. Yep. There we go. That's mm-hmm. the one I needed. Um, the defense played well in, in regards to that, especially 
you know, Carr gets strip sacked on the 20 yard line and they hold them to a field goal. You know, the defense, once again, they did their part, right? Defense did their part and the offense just could not score in the red zone. And it's one of the most frustrating things to watch uh, as a football fan to see an offense that you know has the ability to drive down the field and score, just not be able to produce in the red zone, you know? And it's one of those things where the defense was going to be able to, you know, was only going to be able to hold up for so long. And that's essentially what happened. And they, they tended to, you know, do really well, but the offense, man, they had so many opportunities and, you know, we had to trade touchdowns for field goals as well. And it was just a touchdown for field goal off uh, Mm -hmm. between both teams. But in the end, we ended up losing, it was rough. Wished it would have went differently. Alas, it did not. And here we are. So that's what I got. Jake, I am going to kick it to you. So, Yeah. So I got a little excited in the beginning. With all the adversity that we'd been through this year, I was like, man, this is going to be something for the storybooks. Like this will go down as one of the craziest things that's ever happened to a team. And then what happens after the fact. And I was getting excited. My hopes were high. I was like, we're we're going to win. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. I was getting that ahead of myself and excited just thinking it'd be one of the coolest football stories, you know, you've ever heard before. And then shortly into the game, Mike, very similar to what you said, the, the main thing was frustration after frustration. And what I wrote down in my notes here, and I underlined it a bunch of times, was red zone failure on offense i get so frustrated the second we get close i feel like we we are just giving up touchdowns it's like part of our mo now it's like nope don't even worry if we don't get a touchdown we have carlson he's going to kick it in for three so i'm to the point now where i feel we need to get creative somehow once we get in the red zone i don't know what this looks like exactly i don't know if this means we need to watch a bunch of tape from the chiefs or something but we need to get creative down there. It is unbelievably frustrating to see field goals over and over. I am happy we have Carlson, though, because he he was amazing this year, and he saved us on, what, six games or something like that. So I'm very, very happy for, for Carlson. And, Micah, we talked about this offline a little bit. I underestimated Joe Burrow and not just him but the weapons that he has and playing – with his college teammate, uh, uh, Chase, I believe it is, you could tell that they've been playing together for a long time. I, I completely underestimated them and underestimated how well Joe Burrow can throw into little tight windows. Uh, but still, I agree, the the defense uh, could have given up a lot more points. Um, holding them to just those field goals a couple times easily could have been an extra at, at least eight points to the game there. And, of course... The whistle, just like you said, Micah, that the play should have been dead. There's no way around. That is in the rule book about the play being dead. So I'm not sure what's going to come of that in the future, but that's just a, a very hard way to, to know that's part of the reason you lost. I know that's just a small picture of everything else that went on, but losing the game by that amount of points, it's very frustrating. I don't know if I have any other words to describe it <laughs> than frustrating, but, but yeah, it, uh, it took a couple days to, you know, lift my head up after that game and realize, you know, we have next year, but in a weird way, I'm proud that we made it this far, but still, of course, highly disappointed that the journey ends there. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys nailed all the points that I had to, and 
it was funny, Jake, because you called me at halftime and and you're like, what do you think right now? And I was just like, and I just like told you yeah. everything that was, which was good for me because I needed to get it out of my brain. But yeah, I, I do. To your last point, I think there's going to be a, a time in a couple months where we're, you know, we're preparing for the draft or whatever. We're just going to be like, you know what, Let, you know, the 2021 year was a success, all things considered. So start there. The whistle, I just, I'm not trying to be that guy. I just don't read into it that much. I know it's, it just made me laugh, but the thing about those, those calls that can be game changing, which obviously it was, cause it was a big touchdown to go 20 to six, right? Right before half. And they were getting the ball back too in the third quarter. We were still able to go down and score a touchdown before the half, which was huge. That, that didn't really, I'm not saying it made it even or level set by any means, but even if they blow the whistle and it does get called the right way, they still got another third down. Who knows what comes of that? The actual calls that really you lose sleep over, which sorry boys, but the tuck rule with Brady, oh. that that was the difference in the game. It, that you know what I'm saying, like that made the difference between win and loss. So like a, a second quarter whistle, yeah, it was frustrating, but something like that where it was clear that we would have had the ball and won the game, those are where you just kind of lose sleep. And I think I'm trying to put my my eggs in the baskets of the only stuff that's really matters. That's really going to make me lose sleep. And the other stuff I'm like, I'm not even going to think about it. So sorry. Counterpoint. We lost by seven and they gained seven yeah. points on that. So, okay. So no, then I'm just kidding. 100% they wouldn't have scored a touchdown on the just next kidding. one. Because it would have been a replay of down. It's not like it would have made it. <laughs> no, I, 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 know, no I know. I'm just messing with you. Andy, I'm sorry. I I'm that guy. I'm going to use that as an excuse. I lost sleep over it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't i'm not saying anyone should i'm saying for me i don't like to focus all the way there even though i get it so there's no losing sleep shaming around here you can lose sleep over whatever you'd like that's just for me i mean i think the main point is what you guys already talked about the red zone inefficiency has plagued us the whole year we talked about it at length we talked about um, converting on third downs we talked about our red zone efficiency as some of the main reasons why we were on the opposite end of you know, certain games throughout the year. If you look at the last four games that we've played, we basically played, you know, very similarly to those games that we won outside of just those costly. I mean, we did still have some costly things that happened in those games, but we, we weren't our biggest or our, our worst enemy the whole time. You know, I think there's, were there penalties? Sure. Were there some costly turnovers? Yeah, but we were able to rebound. We just, and I think Mike and I, you and I talked about this, but when you make those mistakes against the Browns, right, against the Colts, who's not a very explosive offense, and then the, the Broncos, right, for instance, you throw out the Chargers. But when you make those mistakes against those teams that have the firepower, like the Chargers and the Bengals do, you better be able to make up for it on the back end with your offense. So we were able to do that against the Chargers that Sunday night. We just weren't able to do that against the Bengals. So that's why it's like, it's just not surprising that it went that way. You know, I thought the pace of the game – with getting down early, right? With, you know, feel, we get a field goal, then they get a touchdown. We turn the ball over. They get up big on us, 20 to six. That, we don't like to play that pace again because Jacobs was 13 carries, 80-something yards, man. Like, he was on. Like, he was hot. And we, were, we had that one drive where we were able to get him rolling. But we couldn't, it's like, it's like we didn't have time to do that because we were just chasing points the whole time. So just clearly from, from Jump Street, we were, you know, we were in a game that we didn't want to be in and we didn't help ourselves either right so yeah it's great that we have carlson and and you would be surprised with a lot of teams that don't trust their kickers 45 plus right that that elect to go for on fourth down like he can hit from any from anywhere right and 
Grant, I think he had a 47 yard or everything else was within 30 yards, but he's been a weapon in our favor there. I think also I, to your point, Jake, it's made us more reliant on the fact that we'll play a little bit safer. Maybe we'll call something safe on third down um, because we just want points. So it affected the Raiders, you know, like it did all year. And, and I'm not surprised that we lost. I was really shocked that we were in the game at the end, you know, going down, potentially being able to score. So defense played outstanding. I think we just didn't match up against their dudes, really. <laughs> like they have so many weapons with Chase, with Higgins, um, and then still with, and that's Gus Bradley's scheme. He did it to him the first time. He they didn't he didn't allow us to be beat with those big plays. But man, you you want third and seven to convert? They're going to convert it. Like you know the those tight windows throws that you mentioned, that one to Azumo, the tight end over the middle, like that that's within a, a freaking fly wing. You know <laughs> that 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 window. It, yeah, if Diablo turns his face mask to the left side, it hits it. It's like that. Um, remember when uh, Waller had that little out that was going to score a touchdown, and it hits. Hawkinson's or whatever his name is his uh his helmet he jumped up and it hit his oh, helmet it right. was just by inches like that's if Diablo just like gets a chicken wing up there um mm-hmm. you know yep. he blocks that it's just a, a hell of a throw by Burrow so but yeah no absolutely it's just that could be the difference right so Hendrickson I believe um TJ Hawkinson tight end for this and I know you're saying but that was it brought up a point that I'd forgotten so thank you we didn't have an answer for Hendrickson for Trey Hendrickson so he just dismantled uh, Foster Moreau on one. We tried to have Moreau blocking him one-on-one, and it just did not work. That was the strip sack. And then he just – he abused Brant Parker a couple times. It's just they moved him around just like we do with Max, you know. I don't think they necessarily had an answer for Max, but the quick rhythm getting the ball out of the hand, out of Burrow's hand, was the answer. Um, you know, you could tell once Burrow got past the second or third read and the play broke down, Crosby was able to cause some havoc and make him throw it away or get that big sack towards the end of the game. So it's it's kind of – I'm not patting ourselves on the back, Micah, but it's like all of the stuff that we were worried about with, hey, if we can't – you know, I think we did, we did a pretty, pretty dang good job on, on third down actually. So um, right around 50%, which obviously you want to be better or just not be in third down the majority of the game. But not converting in the red zone – our tackles against their DNs and really just being overmatched with the skilled players that they had on the offense side of the ball. So a lot of things there. So, I mean, feel free to jump in guys, but I, I agree with all those sentiments and it was, it was just a tough way to go out. Oh, tough way to go out. Can we uh, take a second to be positive about one thing and you guys no. mentioned it. No, no positivity. <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's, it's very hard to write zero now, positivity but, yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> if, if we have to, it's think of our defense a year or two ago. That that that's the the one thing that does make me happy, even with that poor outcome. Think of our defense mm-hmm. the last few years versus now. They actually look like a real defense. They don't look like a, a JV high school team anymore. So <laughs> that part I will say is pretty amazing to watch, especially especially watching uh Crosby. It's mm-hmm. it's been awesome seeing that guy grow. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. And not only that, but think of if you're an offense, who do you have to actually scheme around? Crosby mm. and Ngakwe? Yeah. Who else? We have no one that can be disturbing, you know, or disturbing, cause disturbance in the interior D line with our D tackles. Our linebackers don't scare anyone. <laughs> Casey Hayward's nice, but he's not an elite Jalen Ramsey locky down. And who's on the other side? Desmond Trufant? He was good 10 years ago. Okay. And then you, then you look at our safeties. I, I do like Morgan. I do like, you know, Abram when he's on the sidelines. I like when he stays there and doesn't get involved in the play, right? But we don't have guys that you actually, like, that you're afraid of. And that's 
in a sense, what makes it even more impressive, Jake, that you're saying where the scheme has been, has, we actually schemed around our personnel, which gosh, dang it. What's his name? Like our, Oh, Paul Gunther. Paul Gunther's like, we have, we cannot play man to man. So we're going to play man to man all game and just send the house. It's like, yo dude, that don't work. So hats off to Bradley, because I think that defense straight up got us in the playoffs, especially in those last four games where they played their, they played their tails off. So, yep. I'm glad you you're positive. I like the positivity. It's a good thing. It's a good. I'm, I'm not always game. that way, but I I had to find something. <laughs> I had to find at least something. So, the problem with with this Bengals game is that the Raiders didn't uh, incorporate their best strategy, and that's score a lot of points early so that you have a cushion when you inevitably break down and start giving up tons of points and failing to score. So, you know, it was rough. We got behind and we were trying to uh, catch up, and it didn't didn't quite work. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what. We're, we'll get to it. We're going to get to it on the back half of this podcast. But mm-hmm. to your point, Jake, on the defense, the defense was fantastic, right? And I think Bradley did a great job at at working with the pieces that we have. That being said, he might not be here come 2022. So um, that'll be a very interesting yeah. thing to watch. But, yes, I agree that, like, you know, the, all the people that have kind of said over the years, like, give Derek Carr a good defense and see what he'll do with it. I think we finally got a good defense. I'm not saying he did anything with it, but you saw what happens when we have a good defense. They can keep us in games as opposed to like, we can't come back despite of a bad defense. So yeah. I think they did a lot yeah. to, to get us, to keep us in games. And like you said, Andy, kind of get us to the playoffs essentially and, and give, put us in a position to be able to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like, just look at how the NFL is, man. Like, look at all the rules that are in favor of the offense. Look at how the teams are being built. It's a, it's a track meet is what it is. It's track meet. There's points. And so your defense needs to be, if you're not a top five defense, right, then you at least need to be able to have, like, be sound with your scheme. You have to be able to have these, you know, coverages that you can adapt to and, and get in and out of to at least not give up 24 games. So they did a good job in that sense. And I think we have a lot of good stuff to build around. So. Anything else you want to touch on? Or you want to move on from here? I had a question for both yeah. of you guys. Do you, do you think we were playing a bit too soft? Um, soft on defense. Sorry, everyone. I'm a little sick. If you couldn't tell by my voice, did you yeah. feel we were playing too soft? Um, I mean, I think at times, I think that's a hard question because it's a fair question. But you look at it and it's like, well, if we're playing soft, then we're either not getting enough pressure, right? So we're either we're not blitzing enough or we're, we're our, our zone or our coverage in a sense is just soft in general. So I think we could have been more aggressive. That being said, I don't know how comfortable I would feel with saying, Hey, you know, shorten that cushion Desmond Trufant and go play Jamar chase one-on-one 15, 20, 25 yards on the field. I think in, in some ways it helped us that we were soft and in other ways it didn't because just like, you know, the rest of the, you know, the last five, six, seven games, our defense just couldn't get off the field sometimes in those third downs. And, the soft coverage, you know, or not being able to get to the quarterback earlier, causing chaos early in the early downs, allowed them to just sit there and pick us apart with third and fours, third and fives, et cetera. So I, I think so. Um, was our matchup good enough to, or, or favorable enough to get a little more aggressive about? It? I don't know either. So uh, that's not a great way of answering your question, but I, I hear what you're saying. No, that was good. That was good. I think that in regards to defense, I mean, playing soft is kind of what they do. <laughs> Gus Bradley's kind of kind of thing and not not soft as in like you're not hitting people in, and stuff like that, but just like the coverage is kind of soft so they don't give up the big the big stuff. I think they just finally 
unlike last game, were able to take advantage of the underneath stuff and whatnot. You know, I, our big thing last time we played them was that we were able to essentially shut down Chase and Higgins. You know, Chase ended up getting a touchdown towards the end of the game that kind of sealed things, but he only had like 32 yards receiving. Um, they shut everybody down for the most part. Boyd ended up, you know, balling out a little bit last game. But, you know, I think they were just so worried about those guys giving up these big plays because they've got the big playability and trying to stop the run a lot more than they did last time. That middle of the field intermediate stuff just kind of got left open. And it's tough when they, they kind of get going because then you're just trying to contain it as opposed to, you know, being aggressive and kind of like trying to force their hand at things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate to keep beating this, this point to the ground, but we, it's kind of like we couldn't because our offense wasn't, wasn't putting up any points and, and man, if we're going three and outs or not sustaining drives, defense has to get back out there. So if we were, you know, not in a shootout, but if we had some longer drives that we, we could go up a touchdown or up three points and, and kind of make it like to where our defense gets some rest and, and they're chasing points, then it, it could have been a sense where we could force their hand a little bit more and maybe take some aggressive shots with our defense scheme. But the game just didn't dictate that. And it was just kind of like, hold on. Can we hold on long enough to get a shot at the end, which we did, but it's a tough situation to be in. And the last thing I'll say, I just want to say this and I don't know why, but I, the red zone stuff makes me so mad, but I feel like it's one or the other. If you look at the good red zone offenses, right? It's either they have the, when you get into two, let's just call it, we'll call it the within 15 yards. Okay. Cause I know the red zones within 20, but let's just call it 15 yards. The field shrinks so much that you either have to be so creative with your play calling, or you just have dudes, right. Or you just say, Hey, the field's going to shorten. So that, so the safeties, their corners, they don't, they're like, nothing's going back behind us. Right. We don't have to worry about anything over the top. So then they're going to play that tighter coverage where we don't have guys that can win one-on-one matchups. Right. And Ken Waller, yeah, they always double team him inside the red zone. What about Renfro? Yeah. yeah, they usually have someone trailing him with, you know, with a little bracket and someone over the top mm-hmm. or whatnot, right? So it's like, or, or especially in the red zone, because there's not the over the top factor, they'll bracket and usually you'll bracket with someone under someone over, they bracket side to side, right? So it's like outside of that, then it's like, hey, Brian Edwards, do you mind getting separation one of these years? Or, hey, Deshaun, I know you're just a deep play threat, stay on the sidelines. It's like, we don't have, we don't have the guys. So I think, that really killed us throughout the year. And and I think it reared its ugly head a little bit too in that playoff game. So, all right, I'm done. Sorry. That's but just real, thing. real quick to your point though, like especially after Waller got hurt, did you notice the second half of the season in general, how much Renfro was getting double teamed after that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's, there's like no chance. <laughs> it's the same methodology. Like we talked about with the defense. It's like, look on the offense. Then what D coordinator schemes up against the Raiders and say, well, I can take care of Renfro and then we're fine right? That's what they look at. They don't look at these different weapons that when you look back to the 2016 team where it was, you know, we had Crabtree and we had Cooper, you know, we had different guys that even big play Seth Roberts. That's why he got all those touchdowns because they're doubling Cooper and Crabtree the whole time. You know, it's like, we just don't have enough of a threat. And if you don't have the guys, then you better, you know, your scheme better be creative enough, right? It better be, I don't know. It just seemed, I think your question about the defense playing soft, I think we just play soft when we get in the resume with our offense, like we talked about, because, we're just happy to be there and we just want points. Can we just get out with points? Thank you. So I think our biggest issue is that we have dudes. Um, I don't think we have enough dudes to kind of outmatch our bad play calling and bad scheme in the red zone. Yeah. 
you know, I, Jake, you probably know this reference uh, in the fitness world, but they say you can out diet a bad workout. You can't out work out a bad diet. The Raiders yep. couldn't out weapon a bad scheme um, is really what it came down to. It, it just seemed like we were so vanilla in the red zone. And, and no matter what play was called, it was always the worst possible call you could have played in that moment. You know what I mean? It was like, why? Like, of course, you're going to call that when it was the most terrible thing you could have done for some reason. And it just worked out that way. I just think that we got inside the 25, the 20 yard line. And to be honest with you, I just every single time we got that close, if we got inside the 15, I was more worried than we were at the 20 or 25 because <laughs> we have so more true. room for DC to find a seam <laughs> over the middle or, you know what I mean? Up a side. So it's like we get so close and it's like almost get more worried. If we're mm-hmm. not on the three for Jacobs to kind of jump over the pile and we're not behind the 15 yard line, like that's the danger zone for us. <laughs> no. Not in a good way. <laughs> so that's like the gym like the gym version of like trading touchdowns for field goals. Was that analogy? Nice. That was good. That was really good. good. That was pretty good. All right. Well, we could talk about this forever. Um, Let's make our first step by making our first step. Right. Like we talk about with growth standards, (laughs) the standard. Yeah. It's definitely not a term in case you guys didn't know. It is now. What are you talking about? Yeah, it is. It is certainly copyright patent at some beach. All right. Well, before we do, before we move on to our next segment, Micah, would you like to tell the people listening at home what this episode, who this episode is brought to you by? Because I mess that part up every time. It's almost like you have to now because it's like a, it's almost like a trademark. Oh yeah. The last couple episodes were intentional. I didn't just mess it up organically. Well, as always, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. If a sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All righty. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. So <clears throat> some recent news that hit the Raiders yesterday, I believe. This is, it's Tuesday today. So um, as of yesterday, Mike Mayock, our general manager, is now officially out. He has been relieved of his duties, which... Don't want to talk too much about how Mark Davis did it, but he requested to interview a GM before he let Mayock know that he was being relieved of his duties, which was just a very interesting way of going about it. But after this year, interesting, weird is the new norm. So Mayock is officially out as GM, which we'll talk about what that means for Basaccia. But um, we wanted to just break down a little bit of just some potential GM candidates that ha- we have been linked to, have been rumored to. So Micah, We'll let you take it away here. What are you seeing out there for potential replacement for Mike Mayock as the Raiders' new general manager? 
So I put together a list of um, a couple guys, a few guys uh, that are some interesting names um, that could pop up. Uh, put them in order in like what I think might happen um, or could happen and also how I would like them to happen. So three different names. First one is Ed Dodds. He is with the Colts. Um, he is heavily involved in their player personnel stuff. He was also a former Raider personnel with the drafting uh, side of things and the the scouting side of stuff. So he has some history with the Raiders and uh, wouldn't be surprised if Mark Davis brought him back just because of his his ties to the organization. He was heavily involved with the Colts rebuild um, that we've seen them put together. Uh, you know, amazing defense, a lot of great uh, cornerstone players on offense. So I think he's a big name that's been floated around recently and uh, I think would be a really good candidate in regards to being able to kind of couple him with really whoever we brought in with the head coach wise. So the second person is Dave Ziegler uh, with the New England Patriots. He's been with the Pats for nine years. He was very influential in their this last year with all the free agents that they signed and all the big money they went out and spent on free agency. And it helped kind of shape how they went about their draft as well. So I think he, he would be someone that we could bring in that wouldn't be too afraid to, you know, open up the pocketbook to land some big splashes in free agency. The Raiders are also, uh, they've requested to uh, interview Drod Mayo as possible head coaching option um, for the Raiders. You know, they would be able to be coupled together in regards to that and very familiar with each other. So when you look at head coach GM, both kind of needed to be brought in. Basachi is not necessarily, you know, out yet, but being that he's an interim, the Raiders have a head coaching vacancy in general. So that would be another interesting one because of who they've been, you know, requesting as in, in other spots. Last one is a random one that I, I was kind of coming across um, as I was doing some uh, some research into this. And it's interesting because of one fact, and I will get to that at the end of it. But excuse me if I completely butcher this guy's name because I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, but it's Kwesi Adofu Mensa. He was with the Niners from... 2013 to 2019 and went over to the Browns to be the president of uh, player personnel in 2020. He worked with Jim Harbaugh a lot when he was with the Niners and when they had those few years of, you know, the Harbaugh ages and whatnot. So if the Raiders were trying to sit there and target Harbaugh or wanting him to come in, he would be an interesting name to be brought in to kind of couple with him. He partly responsible for a lot of the the Browns turnaround that they've had recently hadn't made the playoffs in since like the nineties and recently have done very well in turning around that franchise. So those are three names to keep an eye out for some people that I, I did some research and kind of came across. So I think you nailed the pronunciation of that name because I've never heard of him before. Um, so hundred percent there. Nice job. Yeah, definitely some big names. Um, I know that they have, they have requested interview at Dodds. They requested Zeigler as well from the Patriots. So We'll kick the tires around there. And definitely, I think that's important to note the connection of GM to head coach because as people might not realize, but there's always big ties to those things as far as whenever, it doesn't always happen, but whenever there is some turnaround in the office, whether it's a GM or a head coach, it's usually, it's not always both, but it usually can be that way. Raiders saw it with Mayock and Gruden. Um, a lot of teams across the NFL seat as well. So um, definitely some big names. It's going to be huge because, you know, you also have to look into the ties with Mark Davis, some personal or not personal, but maybe some professional overlap. Um, another name too was Elliot Wolf. 
um, who he's, he's a consultant actually for New England right now, but he was previously um, the assistant GM for the Browns. Um, his, his dad, Ron Wolf, legendary retired um, general manager, big with uh, the Green Bay Packers, kind of a lot of their success over the years with Favre, with Rodgers, obviously. That's his son. Um, and also Ron, his dad, Ron Wolf, he actually worked with Al Davis in the 60s. Um, so there's some Raiders connections there. There's a potential future, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. And um, I, you kind of wonder, is the GM going to come first, right? Where does, did the Raiders bring on a GM and then have them hire the head coach? That's how it usually happens. But when we did it with Gruden, we brought in Gruden and he brought in Mayock, which I think was kind of foreshadowing as far as control and who was making, who was calling the shots because Gruden wanted 10 year deal and control of all of the Vegas Raiders and, PF Changs that were in the vicinal area. So yeah, it's going to be interesting there. Um, and I can jump into head coaching if you want. Um, cause I, you had mentioned Rob Mayo. So before we do, I wanted to just share kind of what I would consider in making this move. So this isn't the Bible of head coaching searches. This is just what my feeling is as far as when you're making this move. So obviously we're making this move at an unprecedented time because of the thing that happened with Gruden. So weren't really, you know, forecasting that. He was only on year four of his 10-year deal. We thought we had a couple more years to figure this out. But um, what I look at is basically, this is, seems pretty simple, but what do you need most, right? So you look at your team, look at your organization. Do you need leadership? Do you need structure? Do you need someone that has that comes in as your head coach as more of offensive or defensive focused, right? Um, that's the first thing that I think of, and we could talk about probably about the Raiders and what where we think we need the biggest lift. Um, and that ties into, you know, scheme. So what is the head coach bringing is he bringing the defensive side? Is he bringing an offensive mindset? Is he, a, you know, Rich Visaccia, John Harbaugh, special teams kind of background where that's more of like the leadership and structure, right? What are they bringing for that? What do you need? And that also, I would couple that both with your current personnel. So if he's bringing this, this offensive mindset, this offensive scheme, and where did he have it previously? Does that translate to our current personnel? You don't make the decision off of that, but if you want to have someone kind of jump in and, you know, you want them so bad because of their past success. And you usually see this as just like GMs, you see assistant general managers, you see directors of player personnel that they're not going to be the GM. So for instance, at Dodds, you have Chris Ballard, who's the Colts GM right now, who he's under. Ballard's got that job, right? It's, it's going to be a long time till he leaves. So it's kind of like this groomed up next GM. Same thing with head coaches. So, you know, it's usually some type of offense coordinator or a defense coordinator. So if they were so successful with their scheme, with how, what they got out of their players, how does that translate to the personnel that we currently have? You're not going to make the whole decision off that because personnel can change. You have to then view contracts. You have to look at different free agencies, draft, et cetera. But that's kind of the, you know, it's the DNA, it's the thumbprint that they bring and, and how does that match up with your current personnel? The other factor is, is um, trajectory of team. And this kind of ties into like, what do you need most? So are you rebuilding or are you reloading? Right? So are we tearing this whole thing down? And, and granted, you might look at it from the outside and say, well, you're getting a new head coach and a new GM. It sounds like you're, relo you're rebuilding. Not really the case, right? It's like you looked at it because the Gruden situation, that's a one-off in Mayock. I thought it was 50-50 whether he's coming back. So based on our roster, I don't think we're completely in a rebuild, but you should factor that in when you're bringing in someone. So the teams that can that are reloading, it's more about we just need to get a little bit better in these areas, get a little bit more skilled, skilled players on the offense side, whatever. You kind of want someone that comes at least that either has some head coaching experience or has some deep experience in the NFL compared to 
some college coaches, right? Some, some college coaches like a Matt Campbell, um, who doesn't have NFL experience. Harbaugh wouldn't fall into that category because he does. So, or like a Kellen Moore or those types of guys. So it's not the end all be all, but that those are the kind of things that I look at. And the last thing would be is what changes if, right? What changes if we bring someone in? So just a few examples, I promise I'll get through this. If you bring on, you know, if you bring anyone else besides Rich Visaccia, do they keep Carr? I think that's number one, right? Um, Carr is going to play a big part of this. I've heard he's a big part in the hiring decision, or at least they're bringing him in strategically, but he's not going to call the shots. He's not going to call who the next head coach is because he's on a contract here, and I still think we're mulling over or that we're going to extend him. So if you bring in anyone else besides Visaccia who has ties to Carr, do we keep him? I don't know. That's going to be a general manager and head coaching question. If you bring in someone like Brian Flores, okay, he just he was fired from the, the Dolphins and um, a top head coaching candidate. Does he try and recruit Deshaun Watson? Deshaun wanted to go to Miami because of Brian Flores. Okay, that was obviously the ownership wanted it. He wanted to get out of Houston. He was attracted to the Dolphins because of Flores. He's gone now. You bring in Flores, does he try to recruit Deshaun Watson? I don't know, but there's something to consider. That also factors into Carr. Um, and then someone like, if you bring in Harbaugh, does he want control like Gruden? Does he come in and say, hey, I want to come back and really take, you know, have complete control over player personnel, over free agency, over drafting, everything that Gruden had and wanted. He has that personality to want something similar to that. So do we want to then structure our organization that way? Because I don't, it should only be given to certain people like Bill Belichick. Okay. You're like, Bill, we're not even going to hire a GM. You got both of them, buddy. He's earned that. Okay. There's only one bill that's ever uh, taken that responsibility on. And that's Bill O'Brien who has been a that's GM true. and a head coach at the same time. So yeah. Which was weird when he had to fire himself as head coach. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look at, uh, you know, like you said, do they have, uh, do they have experience in that mm-hmm. position? Yeah. It's I mean, you can look through the history. So. It happens, right? Like, like <laughs> Belichick does it. Bill Parcells, the New York giants, he did it right. They had a GM, but it's like having that complete control. Harbaugh might want something similar. And that for me, at least where the Raiders are at and where we want to go might scare me off a little bit. So now getting into a few names, I'll roll through this list um, of just head coaches that have already been linked, which we've talked about. Harbaugh has been linked currently the head coach at Michigan um, in college. Um, Todd Bowles, defense coordinator of the Bucks, Gerard Mayo, linebacker coach for New England. Okay. They've already been linked. They've already been requested to interview, which we are adhering to the Rooney rule which is good. We don't need any more hand slaps or anything coming down from the NFL. We already have enough trouble as it is. And that's usually us getting out of our own way. So we did great. Some additional candidates to consider. Um, and then I'm going to kick it to you guys. Just any thoughts on these names that or who you might want is uh, Brian Flores. Like I talked about former Dolphins head coach, Doug Peterson, former head coach of the Eagles two years ago. So he was Super Bowl champion. They beat the Patriots, the Nick Foles game, right? He ends up getting fired. The following year, Carson Wentz breakup. He took a year off. Similar to Mike McCarthy did the same thing before he joined the Cowboys. He's getting back into the mix. Um, Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City Chiefs offense coordinator. He's been linked to a number of jobs the last couple of years. Does he want to leave to take something of his own? Josh McDaniels, very similar New England offensive coordinator. Is this his time to finally make the move and actually do it at last time he said he was going to take the Colts job and then just didn't? So does he actually want to take it and, and move on to kind of create his own? legacy there. Brian Dayball is another one. Sean McDermott isn't going where going anywhere. So Dayball, offensive coordinator, been groomed, a lot of high praise for him and what he's done with Josh Allen. He's on the list too. Um, Kellen Moore, Cowboys offensive coordinator, 
more of a recent name in the last year. And then Matt Eberflus, Colts defense coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, Packers offense coordinator, Byron Leftwich, similar situation to Kellen Moore, former player, offensive coordinator now for the Buccaneers. And then lastly, Mike Tomlin. He's just been more rumored with, uh, he's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben is retiring. Is it his time to, not that he would get fired, but what does he want to just make a change? They're going to be rebuilding. So who knows? So those are just some names. I know I threw a lot at you guys, but any names in particular stand out to you guys? You know, I, I like the idea of um, them bringing in Gerard Mayo. I One thing that I look at and I, I wonder is, I feel like this next regime that we have, are they going to, the biggest thing is taking our offense to the next level. Um, I think that if a, a Gus Bradley was retained, um, that as we kind of get players that fit his mold, he will be able to help us graduate that defense and do even better. Um, so I, I wonder if a defensive minded coach comes in, he's going to use his scheme. Bradley's out. Where do you go on hiring an offensive coordinator? Because instead of taking an offensive coordinator from some team and making him your head coach, you're taking a quarterback's coach or a running back's coach or someone that's on the the lower level of an offensive coordinator and asking them to do a new job as opposed to an offensive coordinator coming in, being the head coach, but still really being the offensive coordinator. So I wonder where they would go in that realm. So I think that I like the idea of, of possibly a Byron Leftwich. I think I like the idea of an offensive coordinator coming in to be the head coach. Uh, in my opinion. So whatever name that that kind of fits with, I feel like that's kind of the way that I lean. And then if you want to bring in somebody else to, you know, be a different different defensive coordinator, it is what it is. I feel like I kind of vie on the side of keeping Bradley to at least see if, you know, how well he can do this by giving him players that fit his scheme. But yeah, I just want to look at and see who's going to make us better, who's going to let us take that next step. So, and for me, that kind of, Vies more towards aiming towards a uh, offensive coordinator coming in to be head coach. So, Jake, anything there? Yeah, Mike, when you said what's going to make us better, what we should do for the head coach position, I don't want anything to happen. I want to keep Asaccia. He's proven he already can get the job done. Look at the mess he came into this year. And, Andy, we've talked about this before how much everyone respects him on the team. That's huge. And, he got them to the playoffs after that mess. I want Passaccia to stay. I feel like sometimes we're so quick to get rid of coaches, to get and just completely transform every facet of a football team. But I think in this specific scenario, keeping Passaccia and seeing what we can do with new weapons, like you mentioned, Micah, next year, I think that's the smartest route to go. That's what I would like to see happen. Yeah, and I think that – I don't think it's been ruled out by any means. I'm not even playing devil's advocate because I do like Passaccia, and I would like – I wouldn't be mad about if he stayed on. Um, I think it's interesting when you look at already the decision to, to move on from Mayock. I don't know if that looks good in, in Passaccia's situation because then you – then let's say you go find a GM and he tries to find that head coach. You know, I think you can see it from afar how much you respect it, but it, there's nothing like the connection you had with Mayock and what Mayock saw. So how far does that value truly go, right? No, I think there's a, a, a lot of reason why you should keep Asatya. And I don't, this is just like wanting both worlds, but I'm like, bring in a head coach and a general manager and keep Asatya, keep him as a special teams guy. Like, I know that's, that wouldn't be fair. And it would kind of seem like a slap in the face, but I just think that 
and 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 it might cause ambiguity too between the players, right? Having their former head coach that they really loved and and really you know signed off for to bring in someone new. I don't think that would happen, but um, it's definitely something that who knows that might come up. Wait, so Andy, you want someone to come in? I do. Um, I think if okay. you're going to make me decide, I would say yes. It's nothing against Bisaccia at all. Number one, what I look at is the whole organizational structure and the direction yep. that we're going in. I think the best way to do it is to bring in the right GM who brings in the right head coach. And we finally start building our team and our organization the way that we're supposed to, where they're in lockstep. And so every player decision, personnel decision, um, whether it's in acquisitions or whether it's in making cuts or training, you know, training camp depth chart, whatever, that they're in lockstep together because we haven't had that in so long. You think of Gruden when he was here, um, it wasn't there. It, it, you can look at the wins and losses. It doesn't matter. It's just, we weren't in, we were never unified. Look at the Antonio Brown situation. <laughs> you know, it's like Mayock didn't want Antonio Brown. Gruden did. So we brought him in and then he MF'd Mayock on the way out and, and Mayock had to be the bad guy. You look at the decisions with Clee Farrell at number four overall, when, when Mayock wanted Devin White, that should be the general manager's call, but it wasn't because our, the control and the power in the organization was imbalanced. So those things are what's frustrating and all, always wondering whose decision is this? Is this Mayock's decision or is this Gruden's? And it should never be the case. It should be like, this is ours, right? And so I yeah. think just the balance there, I'm not saying that Passaccia couldn't do that with a GM. I think he could. But for me, if we're going to build over the next three to five years you know, and on, I think it, it, it would, I would like it to go that way, though I have no reason to not like Passaccia. Or, and I think a lot of team, you know, player buy-in team, but you know, their, their commitment to their head coach every day is something that Gruden, he ruffled a lot of feathers. So he had a lot of people in his corner and he had a lot of people out of his corner. So, so true, you know, speaking of that camaraderie, I don't think you can replace that because that shows up day and it shows up when you're six and seven and it looks impossible to make the playoffs because you have to rattle off four wins, but they believed in Bisaccia. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said about that. I guess if you were going to ask me to make the decision, I think we just move on from him and, and I hope that he gets a shot somewhere, but I think we got to start fresh a little bit, at least within there and, and kind of reestablish what the balance. And the other thing too, I don't not saying Bisaccia is incapable of doing this, but more of a relationship. I think we need to move on from Greg Olson, our offensive coordinator. So would he do, would he come, if he got the job, would he come in and fire Greg Olson? I don't know. You know, so the easiest way to do it is to bring in, you know, bring a GM who who wants his head coach and finds his head coach. And you find, you know, these head coaches that we're talking about have already been making calls to their guys, right? The head coaches are calling their, hey, do you want to come on as an offense coordinator? Do you want to come on as a QB coach, a D coordinator, backers, whatever, right? So they're already building, you know, their coaches and, and kind of what that structures. And I hate that it would result in potentially like Bradley getting fired, especially with the progress he's made within a year or the quarterback's coach. I don't really care about Deuce Gruden. He's still on the sidelines for some reason, but he can go lift weights in Pittsburgh. I don't care. I'm sure he'll find his way somewhere, but it's just, I think that's, it, it's the easiest way to kind of mesh everything together um, and kind of build that way because it's all unified based on the right person. So I think Harbaugh is attractive because of his past success. Does he bring the same distractions that Gruden does? I don't know. So and I think you look at it too, and that right now with the names that are out there for GMs, head coaches, how they intermingle with each other too, the options that are out there, in my opinion, are upgrades from Basaccia. And I think when it comes down to things, 
that's what you got to look at. How do I upgrade the team? I think Basaccia could very well do it. I think he did well in keeping this team together when it was, you know, we everything was against us. But keeping Basaccia feels like to me that we are either moving laterally or it could cause us to move backwards for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it doesn't pan out like we hope it would. I think we need to be aggressive in taking you know that first step is the first step um is, is what right. i've heard before so everyone's saying it. everyone's saying <laughs> it. um so i think that with the options that are out there if this was like making a head coaching change just to make a head coaching change i would probably argue more for possibly keeping Basaccia. but i think with the options that are out there we got to just keep moving forward with things and meshing a gm with a head coach is kind of more important uh, at the moment in my opinion so what do you guys want as far as Carr's future? So what's funny Sorry, is, I, I had to no, 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 no. That's great because we want to talk about it. Um, when you were talking about Basaccia, Micah, I I kind of realized it's the same position with Carr. Like, because if you look at it, I think, and you took the top ten list, right? I think if you would probably put Basaccia somewhere in the middle or out a little outside the top three or four. You could kind of look at it the same way where it's like, hey, we want these three head coaches. We're going to try our the best that we can and still interview Basaccia. If we get some one-off O coordinator who's being groomed but without experience, we'll bet on Basaccia. It's kind of like Carr. It's like, hey, if you can get Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Rodgers and the price is right, great. Or there's this draft prospect, even though this class doesn't have it. But And if not, <laughs> no, we're fine with Carr, you know? It's kind of silly that way, but I didn't ask, answer your question. So, Micah, I'll let you answer Jake's question directly about Carr and his future. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, like you said, that we're in a very interesting situation because Carr is a top 10 to top 12 quarterback right now in the league with the way he has been able to play. Now, what's interesting is that over this stretch of us winning games, Carr hasn't really played that great. He just hasn't played very terribly like we saw in a lot of the losses. <laughs> But yeah, he's played true. he's played well enough and he's come up clutch when he needed to come up clutch. You know, he was making he's making plays when he needed to make plays, but he wasn't that first five games car where he was thrown for over three hundred yards every game. Also, too, I saw a stat that I didn't like I didn't realize, but I was also kind of like, Well, that's crazy. But there was no game this year where Carr threw for three touchdowns or more. And there was twenty eight other quarterbacks in this league that threw for three touchdowns or more at one point in the season. I think that with where Carr's at, he played well enough to warrant an extension, but also hanging on to him feels like, once again, if he can take that next step, that's a different story here. But it almost feels like sticking with Carr, we're kind of moving laterally and hoping that we can move forward with that situation. But he's got one more year on his contract. Um, There is zero guaranteed money. And honestly, he's played well enough to be a quarterback that's not playing for zero guaranteed money this year. So I think there's a good chance that we go into this offseason with Carr kind of putting his foot down a little bit on some type of extension and, you know, at least trying to get some money to play for this year for the most part because he's played well enough to deserve it. But it's also like, where do you go from here on, you know, whether you, you know, a head coach, a GM wants to continue on with him, wants to get their own guy. You know, is Mark Davis going to bring someone in based off of that, whether they want to continue on with Carr? I think him going in and getting us to the playoffs and finally playing in his first playoff game kind of extended that talk of like, all right, well, I think we got to extend him now. So I love Carr. I I think he has all the tools to be able to play at an elite level, and we've seen that. We just haven't seen consistency from him. And 
we've seen him more consistently play at a mid to above mediocre level in regards to like helping us stay in games and getting us to points where he can make plays to get down there so Carlson can kick a field goal. But when there were times, and, and maybe it's a scheme thing, you know, maybe maybe it just wasn't right with Olsen calling plays and all this stuff. And maybe it would be different if we had a offensive coordinator that had, you know, more of an open playbook that let him just sling it down the field. But I don't know. It's a very interesting situation. I Where we sit right now, I say give him two more years so he's got a three-year contract and see what happens. Bring somebody in draft somebody so you could at least work on grooming somebody so we're not in this limbo stage because you look at it and say all right well where do we go from here you know if we are going to move on what do we do do we let Mariota play do we just draft somebody and, and you know hope that they pan out or do you go all in to try to get not Deshaun Jackson a Deshaun Watson <laughs> or you know make a play at Aaron Rodgers or go for a Russ who wants to explore his options those are the only going with one of those three guys is kind of the only way to take that step forward from Carr. And I don't know if it's necessarily in play a whole lot. Maybe Watson, yeah, just because we don't really know what's going on with his situation. And yeah. you know, he very well likely never play in Houston again, mm-hmm. just as much as he might start this coming season. So I don't know. I don't think I even answered your question, but no, you <laughs> talked a lot. But <laughs> let me ask you this: Would your answer be the same? if we fix the right side of our O-line as far as Carr? Well, I think the thing with Carr is, is that so much has to be right for him to succeed. And if we can make every, if we can make things right around it, then that would be great. You know, we saw that he can perform really well when he has an elite O-line in front of him. That is probably still going to be a question mark for the next few years because we're hoping that Alex Leatherwood comes about. And granted, we had a lot of injuries that kind of screwed us in that situation, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I think that, with Carr, things have to be at a top five to top eight type of unit around him at every level. Top five to eight offensive line, you know, maybe a top 10 in like overall like weapons on offense and stuff like that for him to really exceed and hit that high level that he can play at because he's going to have his faults. And I mean, everybody does, obviously, but the last six games of the season, Daniel Carlson scored more points than Derek Carr did. (laughs) And that's a rough thing to to look at when your kicker is the leading scorer on your team throughout the year, but also outscores your quarterback on the last six games. So I'm at a very like in between stance because I don't, I don't want to just cut ties and go backwards, you know, but at what point do you need to do that? That's the big question. So I think it'd be really cool Mike, I think you said this a second ago, to see what Mariota could do. That would be really cool to to see what he could do for the Raiders offense. I don't know if that's a, not even possibility or not. I have no idea if that's what they're even thinking. But instead of drafting someone, I would love to see what he could do. Yeah, I think it's an option if they part ways with Carr, get some draft capital, and use Mariota as the bridge quarterback. I think that's going to be the best way that you can see what he's got. I, I think he's very exciting, but does not – there's a reason he we signed him as a backup, you know, I think with where the NFL is going. I think you'd have to be pretty dang smart in your plan, in your game plan, in your strategy, where you kind of scheme around his strengths and then kind of around him in general at times. You know, you're, you'd have to be able to run the ball pretty dang well. He doesn't have the elite arm talent that that warrants, you know an actual like a top 10 quarterback. So I think it'd be, it would, we'd be in a good situation if we moved on from Carr and then just kick the tires on Mariota. But 
and maybe this is this is just my opinion, but I think we've already we already know what kind of guy he is. We already know what kind of player he is, what kind of quarterback he is. So I think he would add a, another element to our to our game or to our offense. But I think if we get down two scores, good luck, you know, because his game is a slow, methodical take your shots when you can, but a lot of it's off that read option using his feet, which is a strength and we try to use him in those situations this year. But it's interesting. I mean, it, we do have him under contract, or I think he's expiring. He has an expiring contract because we signed him two years ago to, to just a two-year deal. So they'll have to address that in free agency. So um, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of an impossible situation because you look at the team overall and there's – I think we're in a reloading kind of year, and and but we're in a rebuilding decision-making situation with Carr in a sense. It's like you're either rebuilding or you're going all in. Like Micah said, he's not going to take anything that's not guaranteed. He's going to, it's all like, what do you think the Raiders are going to do with Carr? It's like, what do you think Carr's going to do with the Raiders? He's going to put us in, the, you know, a body bag and say, hey, you're going to pay me. I'm, I'm on a contract extension. I have no guaranteed money. Look what I did with this team, with this organization that was just, you know, in the trash all, all year with all these different distractions. And I got us to the playoffs. So it's going to be a tough, tough decision, man. But it, we, it won't lack, I, we keep saying this, but it's not going to, hurt us for our content because there's always gonna be something to talk about over the next couple months so i don't know i don't envy the decision makers there because it's going to be a tough call but i think jake to your point about Basaccia, if they move on from Basaccia and you bring in a gm and a head coach that don't that want to move on from car it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers in the organization it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because without a clear plan like if they were just the worst team if they were the lions or whatever whoever has a first overall pick or the jaguars and there was a top qb prospect it would be easy right it's like when the colts moved on they're not the same player when the colts moved on from peyton manning they had the number one pick with um, andrew luck and manning was coming off an injury those things are easy right this isn't very easy because we're going to be picking in the 20s there's not top end quarterback talent there's some good starters that can develop into some top 10 quarterbacks maybe but you got what you have right now with Carr. And I think the the best thing that we can do is build around him in free agency in the draft, like you guys are talking about with the O line and and bring in someone from an O coordinator or a head coach that really can get us into more creative, creative plays, be able to balance the rush the rushing attack because Carr's a good quarterback. He's like a Tannehill, though. It's like he he can be really dangerous and good if he's got a, a solid defense. I think solid enough defense and some kind of running attack that actually threatens a team and you saw that we were able to open up a little bit more in the past game when Jacobs got going but he's just not there's not a lot of guys out there but he's not the one that's gonna be the reason that you know you win all these games even with a bad you know no weapons he's not a Rodgers he's not a Mahomes or Herbert you know so which is fine because there it's a it's a needle in a haystack <laughs> trying to find one of those guys but I think if it were me I think my narratives changed a lot but I think we extend them I think we go all in and try to develop because I think our team right now is good enough to progress to where we need to go over the next couple of years, just based on the foundation and where, you know, overall where we're at. I think we can, we still need to add some more blue chip players, but I'm also not going to sit here and say Carr is our savior and we better do everything we can to keep because it's just not the case. But the situation is where you're good enough right now, we're with the right head coach, the right scheme and some, you know, actually nailing a draft pick or two within the first two rounds would be neat. Then I think, you know, I think that also, sorry, I keep going off here guys, but you think about Carr too, where if he's not on our team right now, how attractive is our head is our head coach opening? 
you know what I'm saying? For people coming in, they're going to come in and say, Hey, like, yeah, we might have to make a decision on him, but that's top 12 quarterback. A lot of teams would love to have it. If you're just doing the numbers, 18 other teams would love to have one of those guys, you know? So I think we're in a good situation because of him, but they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And a lot of what's attracting court or coaches to the Raiders is probably Carr and, and some of the, some of the blue chippers that we have with, with Crosby and Gawkway, you know, we have to make a decision on Jacobs, obviously Waller didn't mean to not pitch Waller, but Jacobs coming up on an option, you know, I don't know what we're going to do there. So we'll see. I, I keep saying we have a lot to talk about in the future. And then I just talk about all of the stuff that we probably have to talk about in the future. So it's all good. I mean, I, you know, there is so much to talk about now and there is so many what ifs um, that we're going to have a busy off season. We're going to have a busy off season to talk about, including the draft and where we go with a lot of the contracts that are up guys that deserve extensions, um, you know, deserve money, you know, certain people that we should, should we extend them now to get it over with type of thing. So, I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good on, on what we were all talking about. Jake, you have anything else you want to touch on? We could touch on a lot of things for a long time, but before we get out of here, is there anything else you'd like to add to any of what Andy just said? No, I, th- I think we're, we got it all covered. There could be another million things to talk about, but I think, I think we got it all covered. Yeah. The best thing is for me to have a governor over myself where it just, it's, let's slow down a little bit, but no, it's, there's a lot to talk about and, and it's going to be exciting or chaotic. However you want, if you like, if you like entertainment, it's going to be the next couple months with what happens with the Raiders. So, um, but before we go, I did want to make a mention. So Jake, as Micah said in the beginning, he has his own podcast. Um, he has his own company as well. Um, mission driven made. Do you want to, why don't you just plug plug your stuff, man? This is this isn't all about the Raiders. Let's talk about you for a second. <laughs> all right, yeah. So, Mission Driven Made is a fitness media company. We have a podcast as well. If you would like to check us out uh, on Instagram, we're at Mission Driven Made, and the podcast is also a Mission Driven Made. And what we're doing over there is providing unfiltered fitness truth for people. For anyone that's paid any attention to to any fitness-related thing over the last 20 years, probably knows there's a lot of clickbait and false marketing and lies and just stuff that's not fun. So we try to bring truth uh, to everyone. So yeah, come uh, check us out. Great. And I know that um, at more recently, right, probably within the last six months, you've made the the shift to fitness specifically because you were doing a lot of a lot of was fitness related. A lot of it was. Uh, kind of mindset, a lot of personal coaching, things like that. Right. And then more recently made the the shift to the fitness and, and that kind of industry. Right. Yeah. And so it started more as you could call it personal development and it was just too ambiguous, I guess you could say. And I didn't feel like I was serving anyone specifically. And then as time went on, the more guests I had on the show that were in the fitness industry, the more I really missed talking about this stuff. And I felt like this is where I could serve people the best and not have it sound, you know, so watered down. Like I, I didn't want anything to sound superficial or watered down or ambiguous and not get to actually help someone. So we made the switch and it was definitely the hundred percent best decision. So, but yeah, thank you for reminding me. I almost forgot to bring that up. Yeah. Well, I know it's obviously it's, it's great to talk about the personal development stuff, but it's just, like you said, it's, it's a large pond to fish in. So yeah. um, I think it's cool to the shift as 
obviously the fitness um, and everything like that, that ties into the personal development and happiness and whatnot. But you can, you can be more intentional with your, right. your guests, your co-hosts that you now have. This isn't a plug for me, but I was on your podcast prior twice. to the, the shift. Uh, yeah, twice. But then you made the organizational change and I got, yeah. uh, you know, it's not, you didn't phase me out necessarily. I think we both just knew that if you want to talk about fitness and strategy and working out, I'm just like, hey, I get it. I'm just going to continue to be a loyal listener. So, Andy, you you still have to come back on again, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk Peloton. We're going to talk Peloton. They're like, "What's your strategy?" I'm like, "I wake up and I dread having to go work out, and then I choose not to usually." And then the Peloton. That's it. I'm like, "That's it. That's all." Like, (laughs) it's like when you hear that team had a mutual parting of ways with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) We both agreed this was for the best. The funny thing, though. Andy about that. So before we uh, did a rebrand, so Andy was the only one, if I'm not mistaken, to be on the show more than once. You're the only person that can say that. I do have a co-host now, uh, but before a couple weeks ago, Andy is still the only one that has been on Mission Driven Made twice. So you own that, which is pretty cool. Heck yeah. Only reoccurring guest. Look at that. That's right. And yep. Micah actually was on the show too, uh, but there was some technical issues that I wasn't able to fix. So that Micah was actually one of the original guests as well. And so that's the best podcast that never was. Right? That's so Micah, right. You can hold on to that. That's so, right. It's probably no. user error on my end. So it's like the the hidden tapes the, the when the <laughs> when, when it's all said and done and everyone's retired and the book comes out and it'll be the it'll mm-hmm. be part of the hidden tapes. That's right. Yeah. Well, we, um, no, we love supporting you. You've been a big supporter of ours, um, for our podcast that we're obviously that we do here. So we thank you for that. We'll continue to, to show you love and support there. Um, do you mind dropping a few, um, handles or kind of where the people can find your information at? Yeah. So the, the platform we're most active is Instagram. So it's just admission driven made. Um, we also have a new and private online uh, fitness community on Facebook. It's called uh, The Forum. So if you just type in Mission Driven Made, The Forum, you can find us there. Also at uh, missiondrivenmade.com, you can uh, connect with us there as well. And uh, the rest of the show, social media apps, we're not too active on. So th- those would be the, the best few ways to find us and connect with us. Yeah. So give them some love, guys. Go subscribe to the podcast. I'm a loyal listener. Every time it comes out, I'm, I'm on it. It's great. It's great content. Genuinely mean that. But also, you know, buy some merch, guys. We got some merch. We just have the inside track to the merch. Mike is repping it right now. Oh, so that's right. I love it. Go support him. Go buy some merch. Listen to the podcast. But appreciate you having you on, man. Um, it helps when you're just as invested in the Raiders as us. And we can kind of get together after a tough loss and just hold hold each other a little bit. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. And we're going to need probably a lot of therapy sessions coming up this next year with the Raiders. So I'm sure we will. But until next time, guys, on Raider Nation, we love you guys. You know, just hang on, guys. Okay, just hang on. You held on all year. Just maybe just put it in neutral or park. Take a breather. Don't take a breather and listen to us or Jake's podcast, but take a breather just on the Raiders itself. We'll get back to it. And I think, you know, later this week, we'll get you some previews of the playoffs Um, the other playoff matchups that are happening and keep this train rolling. So love you guys. Peace out. Mike, take us home. As always, we appreciate the love. Please share, subscribe, rate, review. Give us those five stars on Apple podcast. Go follow us on YouTube Raider take podcast. Go check it out. Subscribe, 
onto that. If you're watching it on YouTube right now, all of our handles are on the screen for our Twitter, our Instagram. If you're listening to it on the podcast, go listen to it on YouTube. You can see our ugly mugs, Jake's beautiful mug. We finally got an attractive person on the podcast. That's not a diss to anybody who has been on our podcast previously, (laughs) but um, you know, he's definitely our most attractive 2022 guest that we've had so far. So you totally saved that. And go watch, (laughs) go watch it on YouTube. Support us that way as well. We're, we're into the off season guys. We were on to Cincinnati. We are no longer in Cincinnati uh, and we are on to the off season. So a lot of things to touch on over the course of the next eight months. So buckle up. We have quite the ride ahead of us. A lot of speed bumps to to drive over. A lot of rhythm sections to get through um, this off season. But do we take? Do we get to take a vacation at some point? You're the mm-hmm. boss, so maybe we'll talk about that. Our next board members meeting. Yeah, we could talk about that. I um, I think that we've been you know w- with tossing it back and forth on these individual podcasts we've had. We've had some some mini vacations here and there, but yeah, maybe maybe we'll get some some vacay out there. We are obligated to put out one episode a week but we'll see what happens i'll submit my pto in the system right now yeah we'll see if we'll see if that gets approved (laughs) or not but cool yeah till next week uh jake we appreciate you coming on loved having you on and uh what you provided to this therapy session was fantastic so all right we'll catch you guys later peace